Well, friends, welcome to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I'm your host, Eric Nevins. Thank you so much for being here. I'm just super uh, grateful that you've downloaded and you're listening. Today, this is going to be a fun episode. I'm here today with the host of the Theology Gals podcast, Colleen Sharp. Colleen, welcome to Halfway There. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so glad to uh, just get a chance to talk to you and hear your story a little bit and hear more about your podcast. Tell us about Theology Gals. So Theology Gals is a podcast by women, and our main focus is Reformed Theology, but also the Christian life. We hit a lot of basic theological topics um, and then some more very specific ones. Sometimes we, we're not just for women and moms, as a lot of women's podcasts are, although we do hit some topics like that where we'll recently we did an episode on evangelism and it was really geared more towards women and evangelism. And we talked somewhat about moms, you know, who are at home all day with their kids, where does evangelism fit into their lives? So we do a little bit of everything on our podcast. Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's great. Is the, well, we'll get into it. I want to hear about theology and how that kind of fits in your life. I love that you said, um, you know, that you really deal with the Christian life itself, right? Um, yes. We yeah. do that too here, but more from an experience perspective than a theology perspective, but I think they're both important. Right. And I think that they, they fit together. So for instance, we did an episode on suffering. And mm-hmm. so we talked about what does scripture say about suffering? Well, let's just back up. So theology means the study of God. So every Christian is a theologian or should be because we're reading scripture. We're learning about who God is and where we fit into this story of redemption. And so when we talked about suffering, we looked at what does, what does scripture say about suffering? Why do we suffer? And, and what good things happen because of suffering. But then we also Mm. talked about our own experiences and the things we've learned in suffering. Yeah. So we tie them together. Yeah. And they, because they are together, right? Right. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. I had a really interesting, um, and we don't have to get too deep into this, but really interesting experience with James one the other day where this has been a passage that's always been a little perplexing to me, you know, memorized it as a, like a camp counselor eons ago. Um, but it always seemed to be this sort of disparate, like James kind of flits about here, there and everywhere. And uh, I realized what he's saying about, like, it's all just kind of together. The, what he's saying about temptation or um, trials going through many trials of many kinds mm-hmm. um, is actually you know, all weaves together through the, you know, if you're lack wisdom, ask God, you know, that whole thing. Right. Um, anyway, it was, it was interesting. It was a, anyway, yeah, so, that's a, that's a hard pass. It, it is, but it was in general for a lot of people I know. Well, it's just so, he has such an interesting way of, um, you know, it, it makes you wonder if James was ADD or something like he's just jumping all <laughs> over the place, but he's actually, if you look at the theme, it's all, it's all together and you just kind of have to step back and, and look at it and, figure that out. But anyway. Right. Right. Um, so I think that's a good example where, you know, theology and, and, uh, faith come together and our walk does. But, um, anyway, well, why did you start theology, uh, gals? Well, 
That's kind of interesting story. I did not seek to do podcasting, but I had a situation which resulted in somebody asking me, hey, would you be interested in doing a podcast? And it wasn't something that I would have ever gone out and thought, I think I'm going to start a podcast. And I know a lot of people do. And I think that's great. I just hadn't ever thought of it. And so I really had to take some time to pray about it. And for me, I, I really want to have a co-host. So I needed to figure that out. I think in our podcast, it's nice to have two, two gals. And so, you know, I started doing it and I, I love it. It's, I think because of the place that I'm at in life, my kids are getting older and now we have four sons and only one under 18 now and I have more free time and still a stay-at-home mom. And I, I've just really enjoyed it for so many different reasons. I, do, I have always had a passion for wanting to work with women especially and it's given me a lot of opportunities for that. We hear from a lot of women who are going through difficult times and need counsel. And so that, I think that's been one of the, the highlights of it for me. Yeah. I love that. So somebody came to you and said, you want to do a podcast? You're like, yeah. How'd you settle on yeah. theology though? Was that, some, was that their idea or was that something you wanted to do? Uh, well, I had, I had been involved in something else where they had heard me talk about the subject. And so Theology's always been my passion, actually, since uh, the time I was a teenager. Oh. And so it, it kind of, I guess, just worked out that it was kind of the natural thing. And and the other thing is, and you know, Eric, that there's a lot of different kind of podcasts out there. So you kind of need to find where you fit in, what's going to make my, our podcast different than other podcasts out there. So you have yeah. a lot, if you look at Christian podcasts for women, you've you've got um, some very specific things. And so we wanted something that was a little different than what was out there already and then what we're passionate about. Oh, yeah, I like that. Okay, well, we'll hear more about that. But um, you mentioned that you've always been passionate about theology since you were a teenager. So I want to go back there a little bit. Um, maybe before we get there, when, how did you find Christ? How did that happen for you? So I grew up in a wonderful Christian home. My parents actually met working for Billy Graham. Oh, cool. And yeah, and just, well, I, let me say my father actually was an Orthodox Jew and became a Christian when he was in college. And after college, went to work for Billy Graham. And my mom was a, a missionary kid. And she was then graduated college, was a single missionary, but had to come home when her mom was sick and was working for the Billy Graham Association. And that's when my parents met. And so I grew up in just wonderful Christian home, wonderful parents, and great church. When I was three years old, my parents helped plant a, a church. I grew up in the Evangelical Free Church, which some people might be familiar with that. Oh, yeah, me too. And so very, very young age. I cannot remember not believing in Christ, which some people, you know, a lot of people have conversion stories, but I can't remember when I didn't trust in Christ. And I have very very clear memories from being very young and and having repentance for sin and and trusting Christ for my salvation. And yeah. so that my story's a little different than some people's maybe. Well, you know what I love about it and this is one of the things I love about doing this kind of having these kind of conversations is that's so awesome. Like what a great experience that is, right? Um, yeah. Cuz for some of us the pain in life is beforehand 
And I've heard some of those stories. Um, and for some of us, it's, you know, it's, it's while we trust God and there's a whole different kind of, kind of, um, experience that we have. Right. And every, everybody has different stories. You know, some people do have, you know, I've heard stories where somebody went to vacation Bible school at eight years old and that's when they heard the gospel yeah. for the first time and maybe trusted in Christ then, but then maybe went through a difficult period before they really got strong in their faith later on. And there's so many great, you know, testimonies out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and honestly, this is the one I want my kids to have, you know? <laughs> right. So it sounds like theology became a passion of yours when you were a teenager. What triggered that? So when I was, I think about 12 or 13 years old, I had heard something at church and I'd heard it a lot. It doesn't, it's not really important what it was, but I had gone to my mom and said, where can I find this thing in the Bible? And she said, well, it's not actually really in the Bible. It's an idea that some Christians believe. And, and it was at that time, <laughs> even though I was quite young, I thought, I really want to know what the Bible says. And I want to really know what the Bible says. Of course, there's things in Scripture that it might not, like the Trinity, for instance, it doesn't say, you know, here's an explanation of the Trinity, but we see that all of the um, theology for it is there. And so that really started my just wanting to to understand. And I I would be in youth group after that, you know, for the next several years. And I would stay after and ask my youth pastor questions. I think he got frustrated with me. <laughs> you were that sometimes. kid. And, you know, I just... I just really wanted to know what does the Bible say, not just what everybody else tells me. I wanted to really understand what the Bible was all about. Yeah. Were there any issues that were driving that in particular? Like theological issues or it was just you were um, just wanted to know like, yeah, what is I think, in here? I think it actually started on it. So back in, back in the 80s when I was a teenager— was there was all the debates around some of the end time stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, there was the the rapture talk and the pre-trib, post-trib, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. But that's, I think, what actually started it for gotcha. me. Yeah, which which is endlessly fascinating and frustrating at the same time. Right. As an issue. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay, well, that's awesome. Interesting. Well, that makes sense because that's kind of a, you know, an issue that makes you, you know, curious and you want to want to kind of dig into it. And that's actually a place that I think a lot of people get introduced to theology. Um, yeah. Do you think it's still, it, it, it doesn't seem like we hear about it as much today as maybe years ago. I think it was talked about a little bit more. No, I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, one is I think dispensationalism is sort of receding as a, as a force in the, theology um, yeah. in America anyway. And then um, also I think left behind sort of ruined it. <laughs> I, think, I think sort of just everybody's like, what? Right. I think, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's interesting. And, you know, as I've grown, that just has kind of receded into a thing that I'm like, I don't, Jesus said we wouldn't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> you know? Right. I actually, in my studies, finally came to the, of that specifically, finally said, you know what? This is a really big distraction for me from probably yeah. what I should be studying. There's probably some more important things I need to spend time on. And so I kind of left it behind <laughs> and, um, you know, started studying some other things. Yeah. And then I did go to uh, Bible college then after high school. Oh, you did? Where'd you go? So I, 
um, went to a, a little school in Iowa that's no longer exists, but it was, it was around for a very long time called Fenard. It was a little tiny school. Oh, where is that? Where, what's, what's it's in, uh, it's in university park, Iowa, which is like a little tiny, um, next to Oskaloosa, Iowa, which oh, okay. is still not very big, but about an hour from Des Moines. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I'm from Des Moines. So that's why. Oh, you are? Yeah, okay. So it's in the same town as William Penn College. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. Very cool. Well, that's, that's good. Actually, Iowa has, I mean, maybe all states are like this, but Iowa has a number of really pretty good Bible colleges um, like that. There's a, there's, an, I know of a number of that are, they're small, but they're, they're pretty decent. Yeah. I actually know of a number there too. And I, what's interesting is our school would play basketball, you know, against all those other Bible sure. colleges. And then later in life, I've met a lot of people who went to some of those other schools. Oh yeah. Oh, that's cool. So you got a degree in the Bible. We share that in common actually. That's good. Yeah. I also majored in music. Okay. So I'm not sure what I thought I was going to do with that. You were going to be a worship pastor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. <laughs> Um, I, I think that what, I think what I had actually wanted to do was, was teach music, but I never really, I mean, aside from maybe some private lessons, didn't really do much with it. Gotcha. So how, what was your experience of God like in those, in those years, whether it was high school or college, particularly when you're focusing on so much, um, you know, the, the theology and what scriptures, what did that do for how you understood God? And related uh, to in particular. So, so much. I, I'll share this in, you know, the first year of Bible college that you have to do Old Testament survey and New Testament survey. And when you do, we I had Old Testament survey first. And so I read through the whole Old Testament. And you have to do it very quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, okay, now you have to read Genesis before Thursday, you know. And so you're reading it much more quickly. Right. right than you maybe ever have before, which I had, which sometimes is overwhelming. Like this is so much, but the old has, when I read the old Testament really set this foundation for who God was. I, it was really a time in which I, I started to see the entirety of scripture unfold. Yeah. And, and so then reading through the old Testament and then I read through the new Testament and, and then I, it really just kind of came together seeing how the old and the new Testament fit together. And just really in my own life at, at that point, there were so many, so many different things that I began to understand about God and who he was, his sovereignty, his love for me, his, his loving kindness, his, um, grace, those things really became alive in a way that I hadn't ever considered them just you know, in, in a way that's almost hard to put into words, just really understanding who God was and, and who, that he was my God and that he loved me and just that entirety of scripture and how it all fit together and, and just his grace towards me, even in that unfolding drama that you see throughout the entirety of, of the Bible. Yeah. Uh, you know, I love that so much. I had a very similar experience as far as when you start to see the big picture of what's happening in the Bible, it changes everything, doesn't it? Yes. Yes. It, Your it, eyes are like open, like all of a sudden it's like, wow, I get some things now. Right. Yeah. It's one thing if you, if you just think that, uh, you know, 
that that whole sin, gospel of sin management, maybe, um, you know, Jesus died for my sin, which is true, but the whole, right. you know, when you get, when that's, sometimes we get myop, myopic about that. Um, right. but when you see the whole picture of what God is doing and what it means to be a human being as part of that picture, it really will change how you see God and who he is and, and you can kind of feel his love. Did you ever have like a, a moment where, where that kind of dawned on you and you kind of felt his love? Yeah, I actually remember it very, very well being in my dorm room, our school, we actually didn't have roommates, which was a nice little park at our school. And I remember being in my room, sitting on the edge of my bed and just like you said, you, you grow up and hear Jesus died for you. And, you know, you, you know, these, these different things, you know, the Bible stories, but I remember just sitting on the edge of my bed with my Bible and realizing in, in a way that I had not before his love and grace for me. Yeah. So. Yeah. Have you found any language to talk about that as you're doing your podcast maybe, or something that helps people grasp the bigger story? One thing we have in Theology Gals is a, we have a Bible study on Tuesday nights that we do online. And I had, I thought, let's do Old Testament and New Testament. And so one thing that we've tried to incorporate, and I think it actually helps even our listeners understand, is is even that the Old Testament. So I'll, I'll give an example of what I'm talking about. So we just did a study through Hosea. Mm. And so this is part of that unfolding story that we see in Scripture. So Hosea, for those who aren't familiar, you have um, God tells the prophet Hosea to go and marry this woman who will be unfaithful. And she has children who they even name them some pretty horrid names to describe what's going on here. And then throughout the book of Hosea, you see Israel, who God has has brought Israel out of the land of Egypt. He's rescued them. He has been their God. He has given them a land that flourishes. And in here they are going off and worshiping other gods at this point in the story. And, and then we see that God is calling them to repentance. But what we see through that, it's because of his mercy, even though he's coming and saying some very harsh things to them. But what we really, what we talk about, this is the way that we've tried to make this, I guess, relatable, is that we we are um, we are Gomer, Hosea's wife. We are we are like the unfaithful, the unfaithful spouse and, and Christ is um, faithful to us even as we are unfaithful. So we we try to bring out, I guess, some things like that because I think that so often we focus on certain parts of scripture and then not the entirety of it. Mm -hmm. And then I think that that's so, what we found, and a lot of women said, is how much they grew very personally from studying that in in just understanding who God is and his, his faithfulness to them, seeing God's faithfulness to Israel, even as Israel was unfaithful, yeah. or Hosea's faithfulness to Gomer. I don't know if that exactly answered your question, but that's what I thought of when you when you ask. No, it does. I think it's a great example of how you kind of take something that could be obscure. And honestly, most people probably don't study um, and then makes it kind of a real tangible, tangible thing. I asked the question about language because I don't think I struggle with it sometimes, you know, and I don't think we have great language that 
actually helps us grasp. And so I'm always looking for new things, new ways of putting things that help people. Yeah. I, I often think of sometimes I guess trying a picture with our words yeah. to, to show something. Cause sometimes it like when we're talking about God, for instance, it's very difficult to sometimes express in words um, something that we may be learning or a way that we may be growing. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I'm glad you're doing the Old Testament too. I think there's just so much we can learn about God and um, particularly in Hosea. That was, that's really a beautiful story. Yeah, it, it it's so encouraged. And I think that sometimes, because of course our primary focus is women. And so a lot of women that joined our study said, you know, I was kind of afraid of the Old Testament or I don't really study the Old Testament. And one of them said to me, I just read Ezekiel and because of our Hosea study, I saw it in such a different way. So yeah. that was kind of my goal. Cause I think we're sometimes afraid of the old Testament, like it's boring or it's not relatable to me, oh, yeah. but it's all part of the, of this amazing story in the entirety of scripture. Yeah, that's right. That's right. The, the big story. Yes. Oh, cool. Okay. Well, let's go back to your story. Um, okay. So you, so you got this degree in Bible and music and then, um, and that really deepened your faith. Um, so did you, were you involved in things, you know, during that time or teaching? Like, when did you start kind of becoming a teacher? I don't, I guess I don't even think of myself as a teacher oh, so much. <laughs> uh, you know, from, from the time I think in college is where I really did. I, I've always, I've always had older women in my life that kind of invested in me, maybe discipled me, mentored me. And so there came a point where one of those older women said, Colleen, you are an older woman to someone now too. And so you can be that to somebody younger than you. And so it was actually around that college age that I started trying to take some younger women under my wing, um, maybe go through a Bible study with them or just disciple them, mentor them, be counsel them, you know, whatever the, the case may be. And so really, I think that's pretty much what I've, any teaching that I've done besides like Sunday school and things like that, that's, it's always been, I've always had a lot of those one-on-one -on -one experiences. And, and then of course my children, because I homeschooled my children, but that's when you said teacher, I, I was kind of mm. surprised since I hadn't thought of myself that way, but th that's probably where I've really focused on, or I guess Bible study too, Bible studies too. Yeah. Well, you're, you're doing that with your Bible study on Tuesday night, you said. Right. Um, right. I just hadn't thought about it in the, in those terms. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're, so you're, yeah, I, I, I thought clearly you're a leader. You're, you're leading this community. Um, so I wonder where that started, but it sounds like you've, you've kind of sought to do that and, and that's kind of who God made you to be. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, maybe you would have something to say on this too, but I think that all of our experiences, like if I look at my entire life, I'm in my mid forties now, and I look at all of the different experiences and the things that the Lord has done in my life that have kind of built on each other and then prepared me for new things. So maybe 20 years ago, I may not have been ready to do a podcast or different at different times in my life it's because of different experiences and things that I've been in that's prepared that the Lord has prepared me oh, for yeah. other things 
Yeah, absolutely. They all build on each other, don't they? Um, okay. So what happened? So what did you do after college? What, what happened after that? So, so after college, I moved to Chicago to work. I was, I was going to do some continuing education and I met my husband and I did not go back to school. Okay. And, um, so, and my, it's kind of a, a neat story. I, I met, I visited a church I met my husband, I met a girl who said, Hey, you want to go to a birthday party with me? And my husband was the roommate of the person who the birthday party was for. And he and I met and he was also interested in theology and he went to Moody Bible Institute. And so he and I, he also majored in music and Bible. So we talked the entire uh -huh. evening about theology and music. And uh, we were married seven months after our first date and we're about to celebrate 23 years. Oh, that's awesome. Next month. So, yeah, that's great. And the, the, the other thing is too, I, I think that life has different seasons. And a woman said this to me when I was kind of newly married. And I, I think at this point, a lot of, a lot of the last 22 years, my oldest is about to turn 22. A lot of the last 22 years has really been focused on my children where in, in a way, they, they were my, my primary ministry with my children. And so now I'm kind of entering a new season of life now that they're getting older and leaving yeah. home. Yeah, which is right. Yeah, that's kind of how it goes. Um, right. What, so I want to ask you more about, about your, your children. So you, you had kids pretty early, and it sounds like that kind of became your ministry and your, your focus. Right. And I homeschooled them, which of course I did run a homeschool co-op and was involved in some different things like that. But they, you know, I had four boys close together and so they keep you busy. Yeah, they do. We have four too. And it's, yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> oh man. Yeah, no doubt. Um, just trying to keep them quiet while you do a podcast interview. That's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> well, what did you find? Yeah. You know, being a, being a mom and maybe you're, relationship with God wasn't entirely about being a mom. So we don't have to dig into that, but how did, how did that shape you as a, as a person who relates to God? You know, I think being a mom and I've actually been reflecting on this recently because sometimes, sometimes in being a mom, you can see your best and sometimes you can see your worst. Yeah. Like I thought I was a patient person and, <laughs> now my kids are bugging me and I'm really not so patient after all. And the Lord worked in my life in so many different unexpected ways. Like I didn't, I, well, the patience would be an example. Like I thought I was a fairly patient person, but then I wasn't a fairly patient person with my children. And then I would read something in scripture and the Lord would really be working in my life. And there were several different things like that. Like I remember a day where I was frustrated with my children and I raised my voice to them. And, and then I don't think it was later that day I was reading Ephesians four, Ephesians four twenty nine. let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment that it may give grace to those who hear. And I thought I need to memorize that. And that verse, not only in my parenting, but in my life where 
when I started to say something that I probably shouldn't say, and that verse would come to mind, and I would ask myself, is what I'm about to say edifying? You know, and all the different parts of that verse would come to my mind. And so the Lord used parenting in so many ways to sanctify me in, in things that I really was struggling with, but then used them outside of parenting. So there was a lot of a lot of different things like that. But I think we also do, when we're raising children, we have to do a lot of, of soul searching, I think. Um, another thing was I realized as my kids got older that I wasn't really trusting the Lord with my children. Oh, so, wow. um, so I think I, I realized I, I want to be in control of what happens to my kids. You know, I don't want to give, trust the Lord, right. you know, he might do something I don't want. And I realized, wow, I'm kind of being controlling. Like I, I don't even want to trust the Lord. Like I think I know better. And I really was convicted about that and really had to work through with the Lord and through prayer that I needed to learn to trust the Lord, even with my children. Yeah. Well, take, take us into that. Is there like, was there a time when you realized that you had to trust them or that you just had to trust God with your, your children's development or experiences? Yeah. There, so there's two different things. Um, the first off is my, um, my second son has cerebral palsy and so that, and he had some health problems when he was young and then, well, there's actually a few things. And then uh, my youngest had some health problems from the time he was young. And that was a big kind of, you know, you, you go through, I, I want to trust you, Lord, but what if you don't do what I want you to do? What if something happens to my child? And that's about the worst yeah. thought, you know, you can think of as a parent. Absolutely. And so that was really that I really had to work through in, in trusting the Lord. Cause at this, I'd had no control over it either, you know, and I'll, I'll tell you my son, Benjamin with cerebral palsy, he is exactly who God made him to be. And I, and I don't wish that he was any different than what God has made him to be because he's truly one of the biggest blessings in our lives. And he will probably, you know, live with us indefinitely. One of my other sons says one day, you know, he's going to move in with me, but he, things like that can happen so far out of your control where you really have to pray. I've had prayers where I've said, Lord, I can't trust you. You need to help me trust you because right now I don't feel like it. Yeah. And so that, though, that was the, their health is one thing. Um, but I also have a son who's left the faith and, um, and who's an atheist. And that, that was a really difficult one to work through that, you know, I, I didn't plan for this. I, I was going to raise my children a certain way and they were going to all grow up and walk with the Lord and why it didn't happen the way I planned. And so I've really had to really trust the Lord in that one, really trust the Lord. But the most amazing thing has happened as a result of it is the Lord has given me such amazing peace I mean, that is beyond what I can explain in words about my son. Oh, yeah. Is it, is that situation, has that been what you might call a dark night of the soul for you? Or is there, have you been through others? Uh, our family has gone through a very, very difficult time of suffering over the last several years. So I, I got very sick and 
that was followed by so many different things. And this is actually why my son contributed to why my son left the faith is so I got very sick and then we just lost a lot of people close to us in, in four years, Mm -hmm. we lost a family member to suicide. We lost, um, we, we lost some close family and friends to cancer and it was all very close together. And it was after kind of a lot came at once that my son came and said, you know, I, I can't believe in a God who allows those who love him to suffer, which I'm in the middle of my suffering myself. And I'm thinking, you're going to throw that on top of me Yeah. <laughs> and when I'm going through all of this right now. But scripture gives so many different reasons for why we suffer. And what I have learned, I, I will tell you in those deepest, darkest moments, and maybe this can be an encouragement to someone in your in your listening audience that's suffering. What has gotten me through is some of the Psalms. And some of the Psalms, in, and you see this in the Psalms of Lament, have have something where it starts out with something very desperate. So Psalm 13 I'll use that says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long, O Lord, will you keep hiding your face from me? That is that is desperation. Yeah. Well, obviously we know God has not forgotten him or hidden his face from him, but it is how we feel sometimes. It is how I felt in that dark, dark moment. But the end of the psalm says, But I have trusted in your in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord for he has dealt kindly with me. And so even though you're in the darkest time of desperation, what does the psalmist do? The psalmist holds on to what he knows to be true about God. And that's that's what I've learned through this darkest time that even when it's so difficult, even when my son is is making choices I do not like, even when my health is very bad and I feel miserable, that I can still hold on to who God is, his loving kindness, his mercy the salvation that he's given to me. Wow. That is a good word. Um, yeah, I think that's, so you mentioned that, that God has brought you peace through those things. Is that, is, is the peace just from bringing yourself back to a place of trust and, and allowing yourself to work through all of the, the difficulty and, and to say, God, why are you, where are you? Well, I, I think the peace obviously is in large part, that the Lord's given it to me, but I think he has also used those different things, reminding me who God is. I, I mm, can, no matter yeah. what happens, I can always trust that God is loving, that God is gracious, that God is merciful, that he loves me, that he is gracious towards me, that he is kind towards me. And holding on to those things about God, that God is good, does give me peace. But I think also his spirit gives me peace. Yeah. Um, I think, so what I see is that the foundation that you have about how you learn about who God is during the times when you were really growing, but you know, I'm thinking of some of the ways that you talked about in high school and college, you know, just having those experiences with God, really they do shape you in a way so that you can, um, when you do hit suffering, you can remember who he is. You know what, you you really hit on something that's so important right there, Eric, and something that 
that we talk about on our podcast and we have a pretty large Facebook group with women is that you, how important it is to build that foundation in your faith and understanding who God is and his work in your life. And it builds a foundation so that when you go through the difficult times, you, you've already built something very strong there. Yeah, I think that's true. I worry a lot about people who, um, you know, kind of hit these walls in the faith, you know, and Mm -hmm. because, you know, we all hit them at some point and some of them are more severe than others. But, um, as a, as a church generally, I don't think we do a great job of, of helping people through that. Um, we sort of expect that, well, if you're struggling, then maybe you're not trusting right. And I just don't think that's true, but, um, you know what, you actually said something that I've thought about a lot. (laughs) I think the church often does not the greatest job of comforting the suffering and coming alongside the the suffering. And it's something I really thought about. I, I, I faced that myself and my own suffering. And well, back, I, I did go through one other thing. I, I lost a baby in the second trimester between my third and my fourth children. And that was such a very, very difficult time. And, but, and I felt so alone, like I'm part of the church and I feel so alone. And I really thought about how can the church do better at helping the suffering? What did you decide? Well, I think when somebody's suffering, I think that we think we have to come and say something to fix it and make them feel better. But I, I don't think that's what we ought to do. I think that the best thing you can do when somebody's suffering is be with them, love them, pray for them. I mean, just just love them. And sometimes that's going to be in, you know, hey, can I take your children for an afternoon or come and clean your house? Or, you know, here's some money to go out to dinner, but it's also just going to be being with them. And I, I think we're so busy. We don't do enough of that. Just be still and be with people and suffer with them, cry with them. Yeah. There's something to be said for a ministry of presence and just to be, just to be with people. For me, I always feel like I have to say the right thing which I know is not true, but, um, but that often prevents me from trying to, trying to be with people and I want to fix things and you can't always fix things. You have to just, you know, be there. And sometimes you can serve and you can, like you said, give them, bring them a meal or give them some money to go out to eat. And that's a nice treat, but you know, it's, you, you can serve in those ways, but you can't always fix all things with that. Right. But I can tell you that I've, I've seen where, somebody is hurting and in going through a difficult time and someone will just come and sit and cry with them yeah. and they'll say later that later that that meant more to them than anything else. Wow. Yeah. And that's that presence. Cause oh, it, awesome. we have verses like bear one another's burdens. And I think that we do, if some, if somebody in the body of Christ is suffering, we, we should be suffering with them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Man, so my next thought was, I suffer enough. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, like I don't want to admit that, but sometimes I feel that way. You know, and, and uh, so I can see, I can see why it's hard, but but it's what we're called to, isn't it? Yeah, somebody wrote me an interesting message, and I'd never thought much about this until somebody I got this email, and she said, "I have a child who has this horrible illness." And I, I'm now very sick and I've gone through this and I've gone through that. And people come up to me and say, God won't give you more than you can handle. And she said, 
I don't think that's true. Yeah. And I wish people would stop saying that. And so we had talked about that on the podcast. I had, actually, God gives us more than we can handle because it forces us to trust in him and go to him. So we've, you know, that we do get more. We do feel overwhelmed. We do get to the point, you know, if I get one more thing, I don't think I can handle it. The other thing I'll see, somebody will say to a suffering person, oh, I could never go through that. And yet, if the Lord allows you to go through some difficult suffering, he will also be there with you through it and he will help you through it. So if you look at someone else's suffering and think I could never go through that, you don't know because you don't know how the Lord would work in your life if you were that person in that suffering. And this is why I think telling stories is so important, right? To share, you know, what it is actually like to go through the, the suffering and you know, to share the feelings that we have as we, as we go through that. And the, the whole idea of feeling, you know, God, why do you hide your face from me? Right. Even, yes. Even Jesus felt this way, which yes. is, is common to being a human being, but he still trusted. And, uh, you know, the more we share, I think the better off we are. Well, and first Corinthians says that one of the reasons we suffer is that we may comfort others who suffer. So mm-hmm. if you, if we talk about these things, it can offer comfort to somebody else who's going through it and exactly what scripture says. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know, so I don't know if you're aware of him, um, Dr. Doug Groteis. Do you, do you know who he is? Mm-mm, doesn't I, sound familiar. Well, I had him on the podcast. He's a sem- professor at Denver Seminary okay. and he wrote a book about his wife's suffering and uh, she uh, actually interviewed him, so I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um, so okay, guys, I'll check that out. You guys can find it. But he wrote a whole book about it. He's a he's an apologist, so he you know he's a philosopher. So he writes usually his books are all these, you know, he wrote this big apologetic tome, which is fantastic. But he wrote this little book about uh, about suffering and the ways that they're going through it. And his wife just died this last week, and um, oh. um, but to but he's had this ministry of present of just being um of just sharing that on Facebook in a way that very few, you know, most people, we, sh- we share all the nice stuff that we do <laughs> right. know, on Facebook. And he's just shared this in such a vulnerable way that uh, it's really remarkable. Um, and I know that a lot of people who are also suffering have been encouraged by it. Um, yeah. Anyway, so to, I think to your point. just knowing we put out, especially in this day and age, like everything's perfect and you know, look at my happy family. <laughs> We're all together. And right. I think somebody coming out and being real and saying life is difficult and I'm, I'm suffering. And there's a lot of people out there that are those people too, but not saying it. I can see that that would be an encouragement. Yeah. I love that. Well, what have you learned about yourself through all of this? And you know, about what is, what has God taken you? How does he made you more of your true self that he made you to be? Oh, um, you know, well, first of all, I'm not even, in some ways, I'm not even the same person that I was several years ago. I I think that, I, I'm not sure that he's made me anything different, but helped me to grow in other areas, which has caused me to be very, um, to be different in many ways. So I think it, I think it, because of the things that I've learned where like, for instance, now I, I see the positive so much more, even in the midst of the suffering. I mean, I'm still suffering with a difficult illness and 
And yet I, I see the good. I don't, I mean, yes, I have difficult moments and I'm discouraged sometimes, but more often than not, I see everything I'm so grateful for that the Lord has given me a a wonderful, faithful husband and children. I have great relationships with and, and friends and, and, you know, even not having to, to struggle financially or, or live somewhere where like people, um, suffer in ways I can't even relate to in some other countries, but it's, I think it's changed. I think what it's done primarily is changed my perspective. And so, and made me more of an optimistic person and more of a thankful person and more mindful of, of the Lord in, in everything that I do in a way that he, I wasn't before I would say in that, I think maybe that's more what the big difference has been. How has it made you more optimistic? You know, I'm, I think part of it's just the Lord sanctifying work in my life. I, I think that I'm more aware of God's grace and and so instead of like, I deserve to have this, you know, great, wonderful life. I know that I'm a sinner and, and in need of God's grace, but I see that I see that the Lord has been gracious to me. So I I think it's maybe more optimistic because I see God's grace in ways that maybe I wouldn't have considered before. And so that causes me to be more optimistic and and grateful in general. Oh, yeah. I love that. That's cool. All right. Um, Well, Colleen, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate the opportunity to get to know you a little bit. You've been very open and vulnerable. And I I love that, um, you know, just your love for theology really shapes the way that that you interact with God. I think that's cool. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoyed it. Friends, you can um, you can check out Colleen's podcast, Theology Gals, at... Um, oh, I'll, I'll put links in the show notes. I'm sure you can find it in iTunes, and, or we're not supposed to say iTunes anymore, in Apple Podcasts, in... Um, are you on Stitcher? Yes. Okay, Stitcher, and I'm um, sure in your in your Google app, um, or wherever you can get a great podcast. So please subscribe to that, and as always, we'll have links in the show notes at halfwaytherepodcast.com. All right. Um, well, thanks a lot again, Colleen. Appreciate it. Thank you. Mm-hmm.